the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And by now, you probably already know this, but every weekday at 4, we're here to take your phone calls and answer your Bible questions, questions about what we believe as Christians or why we believe it, questions about troubling Bible passages, questions about something you might be going through in your life, we'll do the very best that we can because we want you to love Jesus more and more and more. And the more you know him, the more you're going to love him. Our phone number for your live calls are 340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can also call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car and want to call, the safest way to do it is to use the KSLR free mobile app. Just hit the Call Now button, and you will be connected directly to the studio. Uh, Because it's Wednesday, tonight, of course, we've got our Old Testament uh, Bible study um, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's David and Goliath. We're going to take two weeks to study that chapter. It's a long one, but it is a vital one. It's a chapter that every Christian needs to understand and really, really be strengthened and encouraged by. So tonight we're going to start whipping some giants. And that happens in 1 Samuel 17. And, of course, tomorrow is Thursday. That means the date day edition of the program. Paula will be live in studio with us tomorrow. And I know you're listening, Paula. Happy birthday today. It's her birthday today. And so I wish she was here today. One more time, 340-9585. I have a special guest in studio for the first half hour of the program today. Now, we'll stay, still take your calls and questions if you have any. But um, while we're waiting for them, I want to talk with Brielle Bajasteros. Hi, Papa. How are you today? I'm doing all right. You're leaving tomorrow. I know. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it got your crit, didn't it? Oh, no kidding. Let me give you a little bit of background. Brielle, um, uh, when she came to Calvary Chapel San Antonio, she was seven years old. Uh, I watched her grow into this beautiful young woman. She sings on our worship teams and and uh, is involved in, in just about everything that we have in children's ministry. Uh, and I've watched her grow up into this this wonderful, godly young woman, and tomorrow we're actually saying goodbye to her. Uh, she is going to uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College in Peru, and uh, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to hear from a teenager's perspective sort of what a big change like that in your life is all about. So let's start with this. Why Peru? Why Bible College? What do you think God's doing in your life? Well, to remember back when I was like in seventh or eighth grade, I've always had a passion for learning the Bible and growing on it. So it's been on my heart to go to Bible college ever since middle school. But the question was, well, what Bible school? Well, at the time I had um, Bible college Marietta in my head. And then later God kind of kind of closed that door and then more doors that of opening and then it just led up to Peru, and it was like, wow, 
above all the places it had to be Peru <laughs> but hey I'm excited this is something I've always wanted to do and I'm finally given this opportunity and how's your Spanish it's coming along I'm still learning a little rusty but so what is it the thing you're most nervous about um, probably a new culture um, definitely I'm gonna be going through culture shock and the language there they're gonna speak like fluent Spanish and it's gonna be like okay <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> it's that sort of thing and what are what are you looking most forward to well learning God's Word and getting involved in uh, the cross-cultural evangelism and getting involved in learning about church planting and just growing into the woman God wants me to be. You know, Brielle, and I, mean, I hope this doesn't embarrass you, but you're not a typical young woman. Uh, from the time I've known you, and it's been um, 11 years now, um, you've been serious about your walk with the Lord. You've been consistent and steady with your walk with the Lord. We've watched you through um, elementary school, junior high school, and high school. You graduated just this past June. Um, any second thoughts at all? Um, no, actually, although I am, I love the school and the church here. I've definitely grown from here. When I first came here, I was like really, really shy and one of those people that usually sit in the corner and didn't really care if anyone saw me or not. But then just learning God's word and seeing what he can do in my life, he's definitely opened me up and got me out of my shell and I started serving I started serving with the toddlers first, and it, he moved me up to first through third graders, and I'm like open to any kid of any age, so that helped. Well, tonight at church, uh, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you, and we're going to be praying. We're going to ask the audience to be praying as well, that God would protect you and give you clear direction, and, and I know I don't have to say this to you, but I'm doing this for your mother. Keep the boys away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot of people go to Bible college to get married. Brielle is not one of them. She's coming back as single as we we sent her, to be sure. Um, But Brielle, when, when, um, I mean, your whole life has been pretty much uh, here growing up, Um, small school, uh, close-knit group of friends. Um, What do you think... Some of the things are that prepared you for what God's calling you to do. Well, especially my class, I'll have to point them out. I love them so much, but when I first met them, they were uh, quite a handful, (laughs) especially the boys. (laughs) Well, um, if I remember correctly, I think it was in sixth grade, I was the only girl of ten boys. (laughs) So, yeah, I think the Lord is preparing me for a lot of boys, so (laughs) I really believe that. Well, see, we've had you in the gym, so you can whip them all. <laughs> that's, that's the important thing. Don't get too close. Just stay away. Uh, uh, do you feel like you missed out on anything by being in a small Christian school rather than a big public school? Uh, do, do you think you're prepared for what you're going into? Well, being a part of a smaller school helps me... T- I think helped me learn how to cling to people that I can trust when there's like a whole lot of a lot of more people in public school that I don't know are Christians or not um, so I think being a smaller <laughs> being part of a smaller school gave me an opportunity to, to see each person's life and how they live um, and go more in depth and see who they truly are in the Lord and if they're walking with him or not when a public school is a lot more people and and a lot of different and different a lot of different stuff, so it's like, okay, I can't figure this out. So private school, I believe, was easier for me. It's it's pretty atypical for somebody your age to be so focused, and you've always been focused on your walk with the Lord. Um, why do you think that is, and what do you think God is preparing for you in the future? Do you have a sense of your calling? Well, I definitely have a passion for serving. I've had it ever since I started back when I was serving with the toddlers. So um, I've also loved the academy here. So I was also thinking maybe becoming a teacher or just helping around the church because this is my home. And I really felt it ever since I came. So. 
And, and, and what about, what do you think, is God preparing you for a specific calling, or you're just taking it one step at a time? I believe I'm going to take it one step at a time and see what doors he'll open, because I don't want to rush into it. Okay. 340-9585, you might have some questions for Brielle. Uh, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, is this your first time out of the country? Yes, I've never left the United States, nor have I really left the southwest area of, of the United <laughs> States. I'll have been, like, in California through Nevada, New Mexico, and Arizona, so, and Texas, and that's as far as I went. Never went east or north. So you never needed a passport for all that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, your, your mother also worked with uh, uh, the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Peru, uh, was she a big influence, or was she just, like, very comfortable that you chose that? Um, she was, like, really excited <laughs> that I chose Peru. Um, back when I was four years old, um, I believe it was a Sunday, um, I went, I came back home with my dad, and I think my sister Erica, she was, like, like one or two years old. She was really young, and I remember that mom was still gone. She was in Peru at the time working with uh, Calvary Chapel San Diego with uh, ministry work down there in Peru. And I remember going to my dad saying, Daddy, where was mom going again? And he told me that she was in Peru showing, showing people about Jesus. And well, I just got this overflowing joy in my heart. So I disappeared for like a few minutes um, and I started writing little notes on pieces of paper my dad came by and he asked me what I was doing and I was like well daddy we got to tell everybody about Jesus <laughs> <laughs> so on the paper it says do you know Jesus and so my dad took me and my little sister in the stroller and we walked down the street and we just put them right next to the door underneath and we even stopped by and saw a woman walking by and I asked her the question and she said yes and it just I don't know I just got this overflowing joy and I just it was awesome I, that I actually believed that the Lord really made that happen for a reason. Why would I have this overflowing joy of sharing God's word when my mom was in Peru? <laughs> so well, like, you, you know, the neat thing is your mom's got that, that missionary blood in her. She always loves it, but she had four kids, <laughs> and I won't let her go. But so, so you're you're kind of carrying it on, so it comes naturally. This always puts people on a spot. But let me ask a question: What's your favorite Bible story? What's your what's really shaped uh, your walk with the Lord and impacted you uh, to the point where an 18 year old girl can say, um, "Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because you want me to." Well, like there was like one of my favorite. Um, stories as a little girl was the story of Esther um, knowing that she um, walked out in faith knowing it's what God wanted her to do and she ended up saving her people so that was something that I think impacted my life as well was that story of Esther I was born for this so the Lord says Brielle if, you're, if your mom did it I'm letting you continue on <laughs> and uh, obviously you're going to miss your family of course FaceTime yeah. A lot of FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not overwhelming while I'm still working in school. But Okay, I hope this this is, um, it's interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to everybody else. What, uh, what, what, are, what memories of, of our church will you carry with you? What stories will you tell? Hmm. The families I've created, the, the people I met, the ministries I was involved with. Um, my friends, my my so-called uncles and aunts that I've that have been there for me ever since I came, um, my my family, um, you and Mama Paula, and all the pastors and elders that have always been there praying for me ever since I came up to now. I definitely will miss every one of you guys, and I definitely would probably tell every single story every everything I've ever learned here. <laughs> you know, Priel, one of the things that we tell people when they, they leave, we have a lot of people in the military in our church, obviously, because of where we are, and and they 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 come and they go. Uh, we get to keep them. It seems like we get to keep them for a long time compared to normal stops in the military, <laughs> but we'll keep somebody four or five years, and, and then they get transferred out. We, we're going through another one of those phases right now, 
and and they always write back and, and or call back and say, we can't find a church like ours. What are we going to do? And w- what I'm going to tell you is what we tell them. You take us to them. You take the initiative to make friends. You take the initiative to say, hey, let's go share. Let's uh, let's see what God wants to do today, like Jonathan and his armor bearer. Let's, let's see. Maybe God wants somebody to get saved today. Uh, and um, as you go in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you can be a big influence on others. What's the school like? How many kids are there? Yeah, I don't know. About like two months ago, Pastor John Bonner, the president and director of the Bible College, told my mom that I had 22 <laughs> United States classmates. So that's just from the United States. Mm-hmm. There could be classmates from anywhere in the world. So it's like, but it's probably doubled since then, so I'm not sure. But there'll be people speak English. Yes. yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Let's hope. Yeah, John and and his wife have been in Peru for a very very long time. Uh, as you know, we went to Bible college together, John and I, and um, uh, it's one of the reasons that I'm really comfortable in saying, okay, we'll send her, but John, you better. <laughs> so so we've had that conversation. Um, what other thoughts are ringing through your mind and heart? As you get ready to go on a plane tomorrow and fly to places you've never been. I don't know. It sounds like an adventure. I've always had that adventured spirit just to go and see new things, try new things, see new things, just explore and see what God has truly created. I mean, I've only been in the United States. What else did he create? He created the whole world. So (laughs) what else did he create? (laughs) Like, um... Like, they don't have food up down there like we have up here. Like, we have hamburgers and hot dogs. They have, like, non-processed chicken and fresh vegetables and fruits, stuff that they grow locally. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Healthier, which I'm actually also excited about. <laughs> and you're flying with your mom, so you're not going over there alone. But but she, when she leaves you, you're, you're kind of on your own. You're in Jesus. Yep. Yeah, I know it's. Yeah, I'm going to cry even like bef- when I get to the airport, even though she's coming with me. I'm going to cry when she leaves. I'm going to yeah. be a mess. Your, your dad, and by the way, for the audience, uh, her father is uh, my producer here at the studio at the church, uh, and he sits in on these programs every single day. He keeps trying to convince me he's okay with this, but I know as soon as he drops you guys off, <laughs> it's going to be, oh, what's happening now? we got to do something different. <laughs> yeah, but I love you, Daddy. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Um, what's the thing you're looking forward to most? Mm. Learning, trying the new food there, learning the language a little bit more fluently, um, getting to see what God really wants to do in my life, opening my eyes to what type of Christian woman he wants me to be, what my spiritual gifts are, and what he wants to use them for. Pretty much what I'm looking forward to. Are you going to miss me? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, we've had a bunch of kids from our church over the years uh, go away to Bible college. Mm -hmm. Um, You're the first one that's actually leaving the country to go to a Calvary Chapel Bible college. So, um, we will be praying for you continually, uh, and you keep us in your prayers as well. Of course. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> Not really. Well, I just want to, I guess I could say thank you to everyone who has helped me get to college and paid for my flights and tuition. Um, also all the families and friends that I had that prayed for me, um, and also been there for me for as long as I can remember even ones that like recently came into my life I still love everybody so I'm going to miss everybody here and I'm definitely going to miss San Antonio Okay, well, we're going to miss you as well but I know it's going to be a good thing let me see if I have a Bible question you can answer here let me see okay here's one from Kelly and I'll answer this too but and, and hers is simple hymns or contemporary worship what do you think well um, I would say worship. I consider worship as a part of just um, communicating with the Lord and just um, having just growing the rela- in the relationship with Him. 
singing is one way of worshiping him and talking to him and saying, Lord, you are amazing in everything we do. I mean, I sing hymns. I used to sing hymns back when I was little with my friend Matthew Magasaria. And I even sing worship now on on worship, on worship the worship teams here. So um, I guess it it just doesn't really matter. I mean, as long as your heart's in the right place. So... Yeah, and we talk about that a lot, especially the people who are on our, our, our many worship teams. We we talk about how important it is to make sure your heart is right before you're up there singing the lyrics to those songs. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot of conviction if you're not walking with the Lord, if your heart's not right. Um, do you ever think about that when you're up there singing? Well, before I even go up there, I make sure that my heart is right and I'm not, like, upset or bitter. I'm like, okay, Lord... I'm going to go up there and sing to you. I, um, please help me to shine you and not myself. And let just let me be an example and help me to empty less of myself and give me more of you or something what you would do. Go to the mirror and say, no. <laughs> you listened, huh? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kelly, uh, let me give you my take on it. I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong in that answer. I know uh, a lot of times there are lines of division drawn in churches over this kind of thing. But, you know, for the for the group that says hymns are the only way we need to open a hymnal and sing a cappella to the Lord, uh, I, you know, again, there's nothing at all wrong with that. However, uh, if all we sing is hymns, it's almost as though we're, we're saying, well, God, you're not working anymore through people. Uh, we don't live in a time when those old hymns were written. And clearly there are people with, with great gifting. Uh, there are people who, who write songs and, and play these songs. And, um, you know, your spirit's still at work. You're still writing new things. You're still doing new things. And you're involving people of all kinds of different age groups. So uh, I don't think, Kelly, there is uh, a, a right or wrong. Uh, I, I sort of like a mix of the both. We, we have actually got a trend going on in contemporary Christian music now where some of the old hymns are being fit into some of our more contemporary songs. And it's a nice blend of old and new. Um, but but the, the key is always your heart. Uh, I can worship my um, my favorite hymn is It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, I love that, that song. I love the story behind that song. Um, but I can't sing that if my heart's not right with Jesus because it's not well with my soul. The contemporary uh, songs, Lord, I love you, I surrender all, those kind of things. We can't say those things truthfully if we're not really walking with the Lord, if we've let sin come into our lives. And so, um, Brielle, in your case, um, those of us who have public ministries, we're especially accountable to mean what we say, and that means we have to mean, mean what we sing. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Okay, 340-9585. We're coming to the end of this half hour, Brielle, and you'll be leaving. But uh, I've been asked, do you have any words of wisdom to your incoming juniors and seniors who may be considering following your example? Um, keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep praying. And if things don't always go the way you planned them, just know that God will always open a door and he's got you in his hands and that he'll guide you to where he wants you to go. Just always trust in him because as long as you put your trust in him, he will always be there for you. And what about what about your 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 wisdom or counsel for kids whose hearts are divided? You know they're saved, they know the Lord, but this world has a strong pull, and they're exposed so much uh, to to worldly things uh, in this day and age of social media. How do you balance walking with Jesus, staying in the Word, and um, not getting tripped up by the social media world out there? Um, well, I try to limit myself to Internet access myself. Um, usually, I would say just keep um, reading your word and keep praying. And if things get difficult, keep praying. But if, um, if you're seeing stuff that is making you stumble, then stop, stop looking at it. Like if your right hand does something, cut it off. It <laughs> makes you sin. You know what I mean? So it kind of means the same thing. So if something's making you stumble, then take it out of your life. Of course, this world is getting worse and worse as days go by. And that means we just need to keep clinging to Jesus no matter what. Pretty much what I say. Is is the internet world um, how's it impacted your peers? 
the world? I mean, no, the internet world, uh, the, uh, social media. I, I, I'm such a social media dummy. I, I you know, the Instagram and and all those things. Uh, what's the pull? I don't know. I don't have Instagram or Facebook myself, so <laughs> that's a good question. Do you, Do you feel like you're um, left out, missing out on things? No, because my whole life is just to serve the Lord and we're born we don't we're given a price I mean we're not our own well God gave us life we just have to choose to accept him or accept him or not and I accepted him so now my life is for the Lord and if Instagram and Facebook is going to make me stumble then I should push that aside and look towards what the Lord wants me to do yeah I think your 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 friends and family members here are going to need a lot of prayer, so you'll be praying for them when you go over there. Definitely. <laughs> um, we're, well, you can hear the music. We're at the end of the first half hour. We'd love your live calls now for the second half of the program. Brielle will be leaving us, but please pray for Brielle Baixesteros. Uh, she leaves tomorrow for uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College in Peru, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions, or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back, Lord willing, in two minutes. Bye. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back. We've got 30 minutes left in the program, and we would love your live calls at 340-9585. Pretty much questions about anything. Uh, before we start with the questions, I'd like to, to get just a little bit uh, more in-depth with Kelly. Uh, Kelly, I, I don't think we should ever force ourselves to be in these kinds of of one or the other type situations, whether it's hymns or contemporary worship. I know there are people that just hate contemporary worship. Others, uh, the, the hymns bore me. But see, that's the thing. We're appealing to a wide cross-section of people. The more important factor for me personally is that music, uh, all you have to do is read through the Psalms. Music is a big part of our worship. It's certainly not uh, all of our worship. It's not even the most important part. But music has always historically played a big part in the worship of God. David was a worshiper of God. He was a man who played a lyre. Uh, he, he was uh, uh, Israel's sweet singer is one of his, his names. Um, so, so music's always played a role. Now, if all we stuck to was hymns, We'd be telling a whole bunch of people that have really been gifted that they can use their talent out in the secular world, but but there's no place for that talent in the church. And we don't want to do that. Here at Calvary Chapel, we want to give people an opportunity. Last Sunday, and Brielle was a part of the worship team last Sunday, uh, we had our, uh, I call it our young people worship team, uh, but except for one father of two of the two of the kids in the worship team, uh, everybody was was just high school or barely at a high school age, and we want to give young people an opportunity to grow in using their gifts. We want to give them an opportunity to to uh, have a platform uh, so that God can demonstrate what He's done in them and through them in terms of gifting. And, uh, you know, everybody needs to serve. And when God has given you his gifts, it's the church's responsibility to find a place to utilize those gifts. And that's exactly what we do. And and uh, depending on your perspective, whether it's good or, or not, um, you're not going to find a whole bunch of kids these days who really, really know the hymns. Uh, since the Jesus Movement days, when contemporary Christian music was first uh, introduced to the church, and it was it was scandalous back then. But uh, since those very, very early days, Kelly, um, this is what kids have grown up with, kids that were kids back then who are adults now, and some of them even grandparents. Uh, as their children are growing up, uh, we have to make a church environment that allows them the opportunity to use their gifts at all. So, uh, Kelly, I hope that answers your question and helps you just a little bit. God is always, always giving gifts. Here is a question from 
our mobile app from Rich. What did Jesus mean when he said the following in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12? For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it, the question says, but taking it by violence is the idea. Now, here's the response. This is sort of one of those literary tools that we find often uh, in the New Testament. Um, The kingdom of God, those who follow Jesus, have always suffered violence. Now, before Jesus was born, people that wanted to follow God, they suffered violence. The devil has always hated Christians. He's always hated Israel. He's always hated the people that, that come to faith in God, uh, whether it's Abraham who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, or those of us who believe in Jesus and ask him into our hearts now. And from that moment, the devil has been making it difficult and his attacks on the church have always been intense and they will continue to be intense. Uh, but the idea there in Matthew chapter 11, when he's saying uh, violent people have been raiding it, or again, a better translation, and, and we have been taking it by force, means we've got to deal forcefully. We, we've got to realize that we're in a battle. And it's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle for our souls. And so we've got to fight. We can embrace the battle, Rich, and it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of us as Christians, we just soon never have to deal with spiritual warfare. We never have to, soon never have to deal with the with the enemy, uh, but we don't get that choice. So what we have to do is forcefully take what's ours, in terms of the promises of God. We've got to forcefully make our way in this world. And I don't mean by throwing rocks or hurting people, but I mean we've got to understand that the only way to win the battle is to be equally violent for righteousness and for holiness and for love. And so that's what he was talking about. You know, Brielle mentioned in the first half of the program uh, with the question about staying pure. Uh, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out, Jesus said. He didn't mean that literally. But that was his commentary on this very statement. No, uh, we've got to deal with our sin forcefully and violently. And as we do that, as we draw near to the Lord, we walk into his presence. So, Rich, that's uh, what he means. And we've got to understand we are in a battle. There is no option for us. And as much as we might like there to be an option, there isn't. Hope that helps. Here's a question from Linda from our mobile app. Um, She says, what does it mean for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Does he mean instead of knowing him as the risen Lord? No, Linda, that's not what he's saying at all. What you're quoting is First uh, Samuel, and you're quoting, um, I'm sorry, First Corinthians. I'm looking at my notes for Samuel. Um, and let me, let me give you just a little context to the passage. It's First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1 says, When I came to you, brothers... I didn't come with eloquent or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Here's why, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So Linda, what Paul is talking about there is as he comes to Corinth, as he established that church, and in this particular case, uh, he's, he's going back to that about a year and a half that he spent in Corinth uh, as he's writing this letter. He's trying to correct a whole bunch of, of um, problems that the church is going through. The church was carnal. The church was out of control. Uh, there were sides being taken up. There were Um, all kinds of arguments. People were suing one another and that in front of unbelievers. Uh, There was open sexual sin that was going on that people knew about and were sort of winking at. Even their love festivals, uh, people come together getting drunk. Uh, Imagine being at a banquet with Christians and people getting drunk or hoarding food so that the poor among them didn't get any. Well, that was all of the thing that Paul was talking about. So he's calling them to a place of humility. And he's saying that he when he came, didn't come with human wisdom. Now, he could have. He was a brilliant man, one of the most brilliant men to ever walk this earth. But he said, you know what? Here's what I want to do. I want to focus on one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And because he died, we now, by the power of the Spirit, can crucify ourselves every single day. So certainly Paul, knowing this arisen Lord, he even saw him as Saul of Tarsus uh, on the road to Damascus. But all he was doing was saying, look, when I came to you, uh, I came with one purpose, and that's to serve the, the crucified and risen Lord. So he's beginning a process that will take about 12 chapters of defending his ministry against attack. And he's simply saying, look, I didn't come to try to impress anybody. I didn't come to try to outsmart anybody. I just came wanting to know and proclaim one thing and one thing only, Jesus Christ, who is alive but who was crucified for the sins of the world. So that's what he was talking about. It's just a, an expression, Linda, of, of God's humility. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from our email inbox anonymously. This is an important question. Uh, I have a friend who's struggling with her 15-year-old son who took up a very dangerous hobby about a year ago. Both parents fought hard with him to keep him from doing it, but the dad finally caved. Now, a year later, he's having a change of heart about it, the dad is, and his mom and I were very encouraged to hear about this conviction, which included God. This was a week ago. Now he's changed his mind again and isn't sure, but he's saying that ultimately it's his choice, the 15-year-old choice. I've told her that it's not his choice, that he's the child and is incapable of making a rational decision, but she and her husband need to decide what he can and cannot do. What do you have to say about this? You know, actually, Anonymous, to, to, to be really clear, I would need more information. Um, you know, we live in a time, um, just just uh, if you're a football fan, uh, if you've got a son uh, who wants to play football, and all of the talk now uh, in the media is about uh, concussion syndrome, CTE, the, the, there's 111 brains of, of deceased NFL players have been tested, 110 of those brains showed uh, extensive damage. Uh, many of those men killed themselves. Uh, my point in all of this is that, that now football is a dangerous thing. Uh, mixed martial arts uh, is very, very popular. Um, um, kids that like to box. So there's a lot of dangerous things. There's kids that uh, are, 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 are doing skateboards and BMX and, and uh, motocross racing and things like that. All of those things are danger. But I think what we've got to do is give our children a chance to explore uh, what it is they want to do. Now, obviously, if somebody wants to be shot out of a cannon or or do crazy things, we're the parent and we have to exercise parental authority. But I would have to know what the hobby is, uh, if it's something that he wants to pursue as a livelihood. Uh, in You know, this, this is a child that's three years away from being on his own anyway. Uh, and we want to give our kids enough room to grow. We want to give our kids enough room to explore, find out what they're good at. But danger um, is, a, is a really relative term. What's dangerous to you is not dangerous to others. Now, here are some things that, that just cross my heart. Um, with the YouTube explosion, um, we've got kids who want to jump off buildings and do parkour and all those crazy things. And those are really, really dangerous things. If I had a 15-year-old, he would not do those things as long as he was in my house. It's it's reckless. It's daredevilish. Um, um, uh, you know, kids think they're invincible. Um, on the other hand, if my same 15-year-old son wanted to race motorcycles and he was good at it, I'd probably let him do that. So again, it's a, it's a matter of what's the hobby, how dangerous is it, and um, the one thing that that he doesn't need is have parents ganging up on him. Um, the husband in this situation doesn't need to be uh, preached at. This these are decisions that need to be made in prayer. Uh, I'm assuming, uh, for the sake of this question, that that these are Christian parents. Um, the one counsel that I would give them, and maybe the counsel that you can give them, Anonymous, is that uh, this is one of those areas where they really need to pray and ask the Lord what his heart on this issue is. Jesus is the only one that lives outside of time and space. If the 15-year-old is a Christian, 
he'll at least understand it. He may not like your response, but he'll at least understand it. If he's not a Christian, well, then there's one of those times when we've got to say, look, I've got to listen to God and not to you. So, yeah, we're responsible for their behavior. And we need to keep them as safe as we can. At the same time, we can't raise them in a bubble. And so that's about as well as I can do, Anonymous, without knowing specifically what the the hobby is. Uh, I've got a, one of my kids here at the church who is a, a fearless 10-year-old. A fearless 10-year-old. He thinks he can jump off buildings and do all these things. And he's always trying to get me to look at parkour videos. And, and I tell him all the time, nope, not in this office. Not You're not going to do those things. And, and um, you know, he thinks probably I'm an old fud, but hey, that's okay. I want him safe. Hope that helps a little bit. If you want to give me more information, I'll deal with it again on another program. 340-9585. Let's go to Austin and take a call from Robert. Robert, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Hey, before I get to my, my question real quick, I want to tell you that um, among the many uh, gifts that the Lord bestows on us, if you love him and you're following him and obeying him, is discernment. And I've been listening to you for a couple of years up here from Austin, and it's more than clear to me that you love the Lord and that he's really blessed you and your ministry and your marriage. And I just want to thank you for you know what you do um, here on your show. We'd love oh, to come visit you, you sometime at the church. Please do. Um, Introduce yourself if you do. I will. I've got a question, a prophecy question for you, and I don't know if you've seen all this information that's been going around, particularly on the Internet, about the Revelation 12 signs. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I have. In fact, uh, Robert, you just you called my next question up that was sent in was a question sent by Mark. It said, do you think the Great Tribulation will begin on September 23rd when the stars, the moon, and the sun line up? It actually scares me to think about it, that it might. And do you think North Korea's missile advancements might be what starts it? So uh, this is a craze that's going around, uh, and and I, I wish people would just rest in the Lord. Psalm 46, the first three verses, ought to be tattooed on our hearts and on our brains. Um, uh, all of the, the, the signs from Revelation 12, the things that people are worried about. Remember, Robert, not too long ago when we had all of this um, hysteria over the blood moons and this meant something ominous was going to happen. Uh, a few years earlier than that, there was going to be this secret rapture and uh, I was going to come on a certain day. None of those prophecies come true because they're false. And if we understand the timing of the Great Tribulation, all of those signs that we see in Romans or in Revelation chapter 12 and beyond, uh, the, the signs that are foretold by the prophet Joel, uh, the, the other major prophets as well regarding the day of the Lord, all of those things occur after the church is raptured. So here's what I can say clearly regarding September 23rd. If those signs, the stars, the moon, and the sun lining up, if that's sort of the start of all the Great Tribulation, then Mark, uh, for you who wrote in, and Robert, for, for you and the people that you're talking to, um, will be raptured no later than September 22nd. Because all of those things are going to happen after the church is taken away and the world is plunged into the Great Tribulation. So all of those signs are not things that we should be looking for. We're not going to see those things. Those are the things that are going to happen uh, to sort of to, to begin the Great Tribulation. So September 23rd will come and go, um, just like the blood moon uh, craziness came and went. And uh, nobody will apologize for causing everybody to be afraid. Nobody will apologize for making money uh, on the hysteria. It's just not something that we have to worry about. Does that help? Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I didn't. I'm, I'm not afraid of it. I mean, I, I, nothing oh, worries I, yeah, me because I, yeah, it's not. I, I'm and not, I wasn't. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm sure you feel the same way. I, I'm, I'm yeah. ready to go. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready. And I, I wasn't. I, in, I, yeah, and I wasn't inferring that about you, Robert. But, but Mark's question about the same issue, uh, he said, it actually scares me to think that it might. So, um, you know, yeah. if if uh, people like you and me are ready to see the Lord. Uh, that won't scare us at all. That'll be the greatest moment of eternity for us. No, uh, exactly. I love that. Exactly. Right. 
Right. So then I guess just to clarify, I mean, you're not, and I don't know how much you've looked at it, and I know, you know, the blood moons do, at least in my opinion, do have some meaning. And I wasn't expecting anything to happen as they occurred. But it taking in total of all those things, to me, there is some sign there. And you can't, to me, you can't hardly read Revelation 12 and not see, you know, the celestial events that are happening on that date and not know that somehow these are all tied together. I don't, I'm not, I'm not predicting a day or a time, but I agree yeah. with you that that we won't be here when that happens. But I, you know, that doesn't mean that you know. E- either way, I'm ready to go, whether it's you know an hour from <laughs> now or you know ten years from now. But um, I just I'm rooting for an hour. If you really looked at it, and if you had a, if you had a, if you'd really looked at that and thought, you know, if it if if it had any meaning to you at all, or if you just thought the whole thing yeah. was foolishness. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It, it, it is foolishness. And the signs, all of these signs are, are natural phenomena that occurs periodically. Uh, Halley's Comet, we can see it periodically. There, all of these things occur in the regular course of things. So these aren't the signs that the Bible is talking about. And I think if we have our eschatology correct, the timing of the Great Tribulation as it, as it relates to the rapture of the church, then... Uh, none of these signs. We can automatically disqualify all of these signs. Uh, I used to get a bunch of calls about uh, Jonathan Kahn's book, The Harbinger, and all these things are pointing. And it's silly because right. it's it's right. it's just it's prophecy hysteria. Uh, there is no prophecy. There is no sign that needs to occur before the church is taken out of here. And that really is the next Correct. huge prophetic event on the Christian calendar. So uh, in, in my view, Robert, uh, this is just a ploy to either frighten people or sell people stuff. And uh, in my 26 years of Christian, I've seen so many of them come and go that I'm sort of uh, jaundiced toward them Jaded. as it yeah, begins. right. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, God bless. Uh, let me let me get to, very quickly. We've got a, an anonymous call line, but very quickly, uh, uh, Mark. Part of this question: Do I think North Korea's missile advancements might be what starts it? No, no. It's just don't worry about that stuff. Um, focus on Jesus being with him. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to a caller anonymous online too. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, I was calling because I need help. I'm thinking about possibly going into magic, going into spell casting and stuff. I was even thinking about buying a spell book. Buying a what? I'm buying a spell book. Yeah, yeah. And then, let me tell you what. what yeah, let me tell you what's going on. Um, uh, this is an enemy. Um, uh, you've called before. He's an enemy who's persistent, and he's going to put these thoughts into your mind and into your heart repeatedly. So what you have to learn to do is take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Um, um, You're not guilty for having the thought. Um, What you need to do is just take those thoughts to Jesus over and over and over. And then we simply... Remember, we simply remember that we can say no. There's no temptation that sees you except that which is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and God is faithful. doesn't say anonymous is faithful or Pastor Ron is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And the idea there is to overcome it. So, Anonymous, don't listen to the lies of an enemy. Instead, talk to Jesus. Be best friends with your Bible. Read it systematically. Let God speak to your heart. And the Holy Spirit, I promise you, will overcome the wicked spirit that's trying to deceive you. It's really, really important. Thank you very, very much. Here is a follow-up question uh, from uh, Anonymous. Oh, the friend who's... Oh, okay, here it is. Thank you for the follow-up. I appreciate the uh, friend who's struggling with her 15-year-old son took up a very dangerous hobby. The hobby is, is bull riding. Um, you know, uh, rodeo in Texas, these kids, it's, it's, it's no more dangerous than playing football. Um, so what I would say is it's 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 this good kid. He loves the Lord. Um, this is a passion in his heart. Uh, 
um, it's not something that I personally would forbid him to do. Um, I say that knowing for sure I'm not his parent, uh, and this is something that I think mom and dad really need to sit down and be in complete agreement on. And I don't mean do you agree or what's your opinion or, or, or his opinion. I think what you really need to do here is find out what God wants. Uh, I actually know um, um, some rodeo cowboys. Um, one of the men in our church who works full-time here as a nutritionist uh, at Malta Medical uh, was a former professional bull rider. Um, loves the Lord with all of his heart. Uh, survived uh, fine. Uh, and he grew up to be a, a wonderful, wonderful man and a godly man. So uh, what we need to do is, what does God want? And I think sometimes we react and overreact out of our emotion or out of our fears. And the one thing I tell Christians all the time is that we should never react to fear. So mom and dad, this is when they really need to get together and pray. God, this is what our son wants to do. The Lord will speak to their heart. It doesn't mean that they won't be afraid. It doesn't mean that he won't fall and get hurt. It doesn't mean that uh, um, he won't have some difficult times. What it means is that when you know what God's plan for him is, when he, as he's discovering this, there'll be a peace that passes understanding even in the middle of your fear. So there's nothing sinful about bull riding any more than there's anything sinful about playing football. I, I just, it's not one of the places that I would fight that battle. In fact, I'd probably be with him every time he's riding the bull. <laughs> I'd want to be there. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Brielle, thanks for being here. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, you've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. Uh, tonight, we have First Samuel chapter 17, David and Goliath, and tomorrow, Paula's live in studio. Happy birthday, babe. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.